Welcome everybody to the Godcast. I'm Xavier. And I'm Rylan. And today we'll be talking about Originism, which is a fascinating uh, kind of movement, uh, sort of philosophical, theological movement within early Christianity. But first, we should explain where we've been since we have not uploaded since um, April 8th. I can say for me personally, I, I was really busy with school, trying to wrap up uh, senior year of high school. So that was ultimately why we didn't upload stuff, um, as well as the fact, uh, too, which was, a ma- which was a major factor, is that I, had, I, I actually had a job this summer, which took up a ton of time. And then also, we recorded like two or three other episodes that we decided ultimately not to upload to the podcast because we thought that it was that those episodes were like not as well researched but here we have we have the research so with that being said I'm going to let Rylan jump in with the history the origins of originism all right the origins of origin himself so origin was born almost 2000 years ago in 185 CE he received a thorough education from his father because he thought that he had a lot of potential Um, And when he turned 17, that was when what was called the persecution of the Church of Alexandria started, and his father was arrested and held during persecution. And during this time, Origen would write letters encouraging his father to persevere. Um, And during this time, he was forced to provide for his mother and his six younger brothers. And the way he did this was he made money by becoming a teacher and selling his writings and his manuscripts. He devoted himself to the study of philosophy and took most of, his, most of his inspiration from Plato and Socrates and applied it to Christianity. Um, it was also during this time where he traveled to places of religious significance throughout his life. So he traveled to Arabia, Palestine, Antioch, and Greece. And later in his life, towards, his, towards the end of his life, he was imprisoned and tortured Uh, But he still wrote letters during this time. And after his death, uh, he he died probably due to him being tortured uh, and being imprisoned. Um, He was buried, but the whereabouts of his tomb are unknown today. And he did live to his late 60s, which was pretty remarkable for what he had to go through. Um, And now transitioning to what he actually did. It was estimated that he wrote from 2,000 to 6,000 different pieces of writing. So this could be books, homilies, letters, and treatises. And Origen mainly explained the scriptures through three methods, and these were commentaries, homilies, and scolia. Um, And some of his commentaries are still preserved, and these were mainly on the books of Matthew and John. Um, But Origen was mainly known for writing homilies and quite a few were saved and they were translated by a variety of, of religious philosophers. And he's even been nicknamed the father of the homily because of this. And then scolia are just notes on the Bible passages, but most of origins have been lost, unfortunately. Um, and then some influence of origin after his death. So he was respected by a variety of saints and religious philosophers, including St. Vermilion of Caesarea, St. Alexander of Jerusalem, and Theoctistus of Caesarea. Um, he also held a deep attachment for Barillus of Bostra, who was someone that he managed to convert. Um, his influence spread beyond Egypt, and his writings were respected by notable Greeks and Latins, such as St. Basil, St. Ambrose, and St. Jerome. Um, however, there were some philosophers that rejected 
uh, Origen's allegorical approach to Christian theology. Also, to sort of add on to this, just regarding the history before we delve into what the beliefs of, of Origenism and slash teachings are, um, it's important to mention that the time under which uh, he, his father was was taken away from him, and there, there's some sort of sort of um, conflicting accounts in which it says that his father was was martyred because obviously Rowland brought up that his father wasn't martyred at least initially and remained, was remained in prison, but there, there, there's an account that when Origen's father was taken away from him by the Roman soldiers. Um, Origen's mother hid his clothing um, to prevent him from running from running after his father uh, because you know knowing that he would not you know, display you know immodesty in public. So that's just kind of an interesting little um, anecdote about his life that we get from um, Eusebius of Caesarea, who is a church historian and uh, bishop who became bishop of Caesarea in uh, three thirteen CE. Obviously, several year or rather several decades after the death of, of Origen in, uh, roughly speaking, uh, 254 or 255 CE, uh, but nonetheless an interesting sort of anecdote, if it is true. It's also uh, important to note that Origen was highly educated and almost certainly born into a wealthy family, given that less than 10% of people in antiquity could could read or write. Uh, he was training Greek philosophy, as Rowland mentioned, uh, possibly under the famed Neoplatonist Ammonius Saccus, and alongside Plotinus, the most influential Neoplatonic philosopher, Although we don't know for sure, because we don't know if the origin mentioned in the sort of, sort of like list of students of Ammonius Saccus was the same origin as origin of Alexandria. But nonetheless, it's important to note that that if true, that means that he trained alongside Plotinus, who was who was, saw himself as sort of the philosophical successor to Ammonius Saccus and had a major influence on uh, philosophy of religion, as uh, the Neoplatonism, as expounded by Plotinus, uh, can be seen in in uh, medieval Western. Uh, Christian theology, as well as medieval Byzantine Christian theology, as well as Islam and um, Judaism. Origen was highly influenced by Philo of Alexandria, a Hellenistic Jewish philosopher and theologian who died in the middle of the first century CE, as well as the relatively obscure philosopher Numinius of Apamea, from whom he derived the concept of the Demiurge, or second second god who emanates from the first god. Now, of course, the term second god and first god are sort of taken with a grain of salt, as Origen uh, would have seen himself as a monotheist, but more to that in a little bit. He also learned Hebrew, and at age 17 was appointed the dean of the Catechetical School of Alexandria, possibly succeeding Clement of Alexandria, another highly mystical philosophical theologian. During his time at the school, he wrote books entitled Commentary on John, Commentary on Genesis, On the Resurrection, and First Principles, which outlined his philosophical systematic theology, making him the first systematic theologian in history. Uh, regarding the beliefs of originism, there are probably seven which sort of stand out. Um, so let's dissect these points of his philosophical theology one by one. And Ryland, you can just jump in and comment if you want to. Yeah. So reincarnation uh, is the first, perhaps uh, one of the one of the one of the, is a very interesting point uh, because Origen believed that not all souls would immediately ascend to God. Um, the the souls would actually be reincarnated across multiple bodies over ages and ages, gaining more and more knowledge of God until they finally reach God and contemplate His infinite mysteries. So then the question might be something like, okay, does this mean that Origen believes in universalism? Well, that, that's a second point that I wanted to bring up. Um, origin reason that hell, defined as the absence of God, which we'll get into a little bit later, would exist temporarily because souls made in the image of God would eventually choose to reunite with God. And this might sort of beg the question of, or introduce the question of, did Origen believe in free will? Because it sounds like the gods, God ultimately just kind of 
um, it, it got, God's goodness is in fact so tempting that souls just kind of go go to him no matter what. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, three, uh, modified proto-Trinitarianism is, interesting point, is an interesting point because his version of Trinitarianism was kind of different than most. So although the official doctrine of the Trinity was not formulated until 325 CE at the, at the First Council of Nicaea, Origin of Alexandria provides interesting insights into the concept. Possibly borrowing from Philo of Alexandria, who stated that God and the Lagos are of the same genus, Origen introduces the concept of the Lagos as a sort of second God and, and, and identifies it with Jesus and wisdom. In this case, wisdom is something of a cultural double entendre because while wisdom or Sophia is a Hellenistic concept, Origen cites the Book of Wisdom, a Hebrew text, in his exposition of Jesus' role in the Godhead. Fourthly, free will. Critics of Origen's soteriology argue that by God's love outweighing the sinner's desire to remain isolated from him, the concept of free will is forfeited because it is impossible for the sinner to remain in hell by one's own choice due to the allure of God's goodness. Origen's soteriology attempts to escape this problem by defining the good in a purely platonic sense, categorizing it as the ability to choose good and evil, and categorizing evil as the absence of good. Therefore, according to Origen's reasoning, because evil does not truly exist, at least in the real sense that good, exi- that good exists, choosing evil is an irrational choice made out of ignorance and not an actual choice derived from free will, which would, of course, necessitate the absence of ignorance in order for that choice to be purely free. Furthermore, the fall of souls did not exist as a result of any defect in logica, God's creations, so human, human souls, but rather existed as a result of the misuse of freedom, God's greatest gift to humanity. The soul of Jesus, according to Origen, however, used his freedom to maintain uh, his status as part of this higher state, close to God, and contemplating these mysteries. Fifthly is Origen's doctrine of the fall of souls. Origen, drawing on Plato's Republic, believed that souls would return to God after engaging in pure contemplation. Origen taught that human beings, or rather souls, who engaged in this pure contemplation would eventually ascend to God. Although created before the beginning of time to contemplate the mysteries of God and exist in close proximity to him, the souls became tired of the intensity of the task and fell away into a lower form of existence defined by their own terms. Sixthly, the preexistence of souls, according to Origen, uh, according to Origen, the souls were created before time and are referred to as logica, rational beings who were designed to endlessly contemplate the mysteries of God. And then seventhly, eschatology. Origen saw the end of history as the culmination of unity between the image and likeness of God, which is humanity, um, back with God. So um, definitely a very kind of philosophical theology. He's very different than um, kind of the dominant view of, 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 of you know, pre- of kind of eschatological premillennialism um, or, 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 or amillennialism, the, the premillennialism, premillennialism, the idea that Jesus would come back and start this, this kingdom on earth like a like, sort of like a, an, an ancient uh, Jewish warrior of, of, the, of the times of the Hebrew Bible and then amillennialism, the idea that Jesus would, and then, sorry, in the, in the case of premillennialism, that kingdom would exist for like a thousand years, but in the case of amillennialism, it was different because history would eventually um, sort, of, sort, sort of end at, at an undisclosed point of time. Uh, whereas in the and then Jesus would come back, but in, in the to, to Earth, but in the case of Origin, it appears to be kind of a, a, a bit different, like like a sort of a, a like 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 a more metaphysical, if you will, unity between humanity and God. 
Regarding the controversies that occurred after Origen's death, it is important to note that after the death of Origen of Alexandria in roughly 254 or 255 CE, two theological crises entitled the First and Second Originist Crises erupted in the latter half of the 4th century CE and 514 CE, respectively. The first originist crisis emerged in the monasteries of Palestine under the control of Bishop Epiphanius of Sal Salamis, who wrote vehemently against originism and, in fact, traveled to Jerusalem to preach against it in the presence of John, the bishop of Jerusalem, who was an originist. In 392 CE, two years earlier, Aderbius, a monk from Sceta, traveled to Jerusalem and accused Jerome and Rufinus, who were both living in the city and greatly admired the writings of Origen, of Originism. It is also worth noting that Rufinus translated Origen's De Principis from Greek to Latin during his stay in Rome in 397 CE, and that both he and Jerome were Latin speakers. Rufinus was greatly focused on maintaining orthodoxy in his teachings and seeking to define himself as an admirer, admirer of some of Origen's teachings as opposed to an originist at large who held to the more heterodox positions on eternal salvation, for instance, sided with Bishop Epiphanius against Bishop John of Jerusalem. In 400 CE, Theophilus of Alexandria, the Archbishop of Alexandria, became a well-known originist and was closely associated with a former monk named Isidore and his friends, who were referred to as the Tala Brothers. Together, they made up the bulk of the most prominent originist leaders at the time. Theophilus of Alexandria and his fellow originists supported John of Jerusalem against Epiphanius. Theophilus of Alexandria, initially condemned by John Chrysostom, turned around and condemned John Chrysostom, who was in turn condemned by the Conciliable of the Oak. Afterwards, Theophilus of Alexandria reconciled with the Tall Brothers, who had temporarily sided with Epiphanius against John of Jerusalem. Afterwards, controversies surrounding Originism remained dormant for around 100 years. The Second Originist Crisis occurred in 514 CE and concluded in 553 CE, with Originism again rising up in monasteries in Palestine, possibly with the influence of Stephen Bar Sudeli, a monk who had been expelled from Edessa and taught a sort of pantheistic theology. The monks were expelled and then later reinstated, with some of the leaders eventually being promoted to the rank of bishop by the emperor after gaining his favor. Justinian put an end to the second originist crisis by writing out a list of ten teachings from De Principis to be anathematized at a local synod in 543 CE, as well as by the bishop of Rome, Vigilius. Supporters of Origen were condemned by the Second Council of Constantinople in 553 CE, officially concluding the Second Originist Crisis. The writings, or the vast majority of them, were eventually burnt by the Emperor Justinian I in the 6th century. However, of the writings that remain, uh, he, has he has inspired the 7th century theologian St. Maximus the Confessor with regard to his eschatology. Um, kind of that recapitulation do doctrine of, of, of eschatology, in which God's bringing all, the, all things back to him. And then um, later in the 20th century, Hansers von Balthasar, a Catholic cardinal and theologian, was influenced by Origen in the sense that he formed, in the sense that Balthasar, or von Balthasar, formed his idea of hopeful universalism, stating that, you know, we, we, we don't know if everyone will be saved. Um, it, it might be, it will be very hard for that to happen, but we can at least hope. So that's sort of an idea drawn from origin. In that case, we are done with this episode, the first episode in quite a while. And with that being said, 
I'm Xavier. I'm Rylan. And stay tuned. <laughs>